podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome back to Tap and Go. I know it's been a while, but I'm back after a busy few months, new faces, and also some changes you can probably notice the podcast. Obviously, at the moment, it is just myself. Um, Matt's got a very busy schedule at the moment, transport between the US and Australia. So he's just sort of taking a bit of a backward step. Um, however, I hope, as is he, that he'll be back for the occasional episode of the series. But for now, it's just been me and obviously whoever our guests are. Nevertheless, it is a new series. We've got some really exciting names coming on. I hope you to move a bit away from rugby and into general sport. But we thought to start with, we'll go with one of the bigger names we've had. Um, and I'm really excited for the series. So I hope you guys are too. So today we're joined by someone who's made over 150 club appearances from Watts and has over 60 caps for England. He's known mainly as a brilliant line-up technician on the field, but off-field he's also an incredible guy. And I cannot wait to pick his brains both in his career, but also about the world of rugby and what we found ourselves watching in the last couple of months. It's a call for the himself, Joe Launchbury, and I really hope you guys enjoy it. Started then, Joe. How are we? Yeah, there well, thank you. Yeah, um, all good, thank you. Good to be here. Good. Well, sorry to interrupt you. As you were saying, just you're sort of starting to get quite busy with pre season, but I thought we'd start in the present. So, how are you getting on pre season? How are you finding everything? Yeah, I've, I've had probably a bit of a delayed delayed start to pre season. I, towards the tail end of last season, was starting to struggle with, with my hip. So, um, I decided, well, with the course of the physios and surgeons, um, the best course for me was to have a summer off, um, have a bit of time to relax and try to get my body into a good position to be there for the season. So, yeah, I'm three weeks into the season now, feeling good, feeling, feeling well refreshed after a good bit of time away with the family. Um, really enjoyable, enjoyable few weeks for them. Um, and yeah, now, like you said, back into the, into the thick of it now in pre-season and always an important part of the year. Um, so, yeah, getting stuck into that. So I thought we sort of we'll start in the present. Obviously, personal note, you, you had a few injuries. You're obviously a big layoff at the start, and then I think you picked up one again towards the end. But sort of both on a personal level and a team level, how what are the team's thoughts on last season? Yeah, I, I guess my, my individual thoughts are probably quite similar to that of the team, really. Um, certainly an element of frustration and, and disappointment, picking up quite a big injury right right at sort of um important part of the year, the season before, which then carried into last season. Um was really frustrating. Felt like I missed a lot of a lot of good rugby when I was getting getting into playing and really sort of really happy with the form I was in to then pick that injury up was never ideal. Um, and then to have another couple of little niggles around that as well, not being not being ideal. But I guess very similar to our views of the team. Certainly a lot of frustration around probably the way the season ended, but also chunks within the season. Um I felt, especially around Christmas, we had a couple of games around Christmas and we played some top teams and, and got some great wins and then probably towards the end of the season again, showed what we could do, but just knowing they're consistent enough to really put together a good season. And, uh, I guess that's a frustrating thing, not that we can't do it, it's just that we, we struggled to have any sort of longevity towards what we're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, the season before obviously showed how good you guys can be. What do you think is the big sort of like the key difference between those two seasons you sort of lacking trying to get into that sort of form which continues on the way through all the way through or yeah probably a few a few factors we obviously started the season with a whole bunch of injuries there are, there are a lot of us unfortunately in the in the medical room which which is never never easy to sort of contend with and 
one side of it is you get a great bit of development for a lot of guys in the squad, but the, the downside, unfortunately, if you're the same guys having to play week in, week out, and and obviously we all know how attritional the league is and getting guys to back up minute after minute, um, sort of week after week is, is a pretty tough thing to do. And, and that's where you really rely on your squad. And we didn't have the, the benefit of being able to rotate people due to the sheer number of injuries we had. So that probably set us off to a, to a poor start, really. Uh, I mean, sort of looking forward, and if you look at the Wasp squad on the whole, it's sort of they've got a couple of the stalwarts such as yourself, but you've also got a lot of young players starting to come through. So obviously, I've spoken to Charlie already on this podcast, and so you've got Alfie, Jack Willis, all those sort of young lads coming through. What's the sort of aim for Wasp now? Obviously, what are you trying to grow towards the club? What's the sort of game plan? Yeah, I guess like you said, it's um, really exciting time to be a part of the part of the team, and and there aren't that many guys who are sort of a similar age to me now. It's um, very much a young team, um, really exciting team to be part of. And I see a huge part of my role is, is doing everything I can to try and bring a lot of those guys through and and, and make sure they realise their potential because I, I truly believe there's a lot of extremely talented people off the child, like you said, being one of them. Um, and a whole number of people around his sort of age bracket who hopefully, if we get things right at the club, will be at the club for the, sort of the next 10 years and, and be a huge part of the success moving forward. So we're kind of in that phase at the moment short term of course we want to compete and we want to be in the right part of the league to compete of, of course but having a, a bit more of a, a look towards the medium and, and making sure these guys are improving year on year is, is just as important I mean just highlighting one of those young lads Alfie Barbary for those who are listening sort of he seems to be one of those people who he's obviously had a torrid time with injuries in the early stages of career but when he's fit he seems to be one of those people who is just sort of that anomaly he seems to be so he's playing above his eight, almost his age grade what's he like sort of player as a young lad as he can you tell he's young? It, as from a spectator's point of view, he looks like he sort of just slots in. He could be playing 28, 29 years. Yeah, I, I guess you hear, sometimes you hear when, you, when you're playing the first team, you hear about a couple of guys going through the academy. They might be sort of 16, 17, and, and you kind of hear some of the staff talk about them. And mm. Alfie was certainly that guy. Um, talked about from a long time before he came into the environment. And there's probably quite a lot of expectation put on his shoulders around exactly what sort of player he was going to be. And, and like you said, he's had a fair few frustrations already in terms of injury and and bits and pieces, but I feel like in the games he had played, he certainly showed that he had a bit of a point in difference. And, and what you're probably looking for in, in rugby now is, is that um, there's not much room out there. There's a lot of a lot of physicality going on. So when you've got someone like Alfie who can give you something a little bit different and, and sort of get you on the front foot when other people can't, um, yeah, he's he's kind of worth his weight in gold, really. So mm. again, he's definitely in that bracket of someone to really sort of be excited about for the future of this club. I mean, sort of, as in, I know he sort of, to begin with, was sort of putting that hook out screen, but he sort of moved back towards the back row. Is it sort of, is, must be such a sort of big advantage to having that flexibility as they say there were injuries, whatever, he can sort of fill both those roles? Yeah, I, I think he definitely was uh, looking to build both those roles sort of the first few years of his career. I think he's pretty set now in, in where he wants to play. And uh, I think to, to be able to drop back in, uh, Ashley Johnson did it a number of years ago, but I think it's pretty challenging to do to do both. So, yeah, I feel like he's certainly um, sort of put his, put all his eggs in the basket, playing in the back row. And, and that's where I personally also feel that that's where his main strength is ball carrying and, and obviously being in the back row allows you to, to get your hands on the ball as much as possible. Off the pitch, he seems like a pretty pretty good bloke, pretty good character as well. Is that sort of, is he just one of the more popular lads within the squad as well? Yeah, he's a great, he's a great character. Obviously, he's young, but I feel like an environment we're trying to create a, at WASP is, is where everyone can try, kind of be themselves and and not have to kind of conform to what they feel is the right way to behave and 
I kind of what we the idea of people at Alfie can kind of feel like they can be themselves and, and that then hopefully translates them in the week at the weekend. If you feel like you're a part of something and you can be sort of genuine in the environment, then hopefully you uh, you get the benefit of them at the weekend as well. So yeah, Alfie's a big character. Um, yeah, he enjoys he enjoys the, the off field stuff as much as on the on field. Yeah, from what I spoke with Charlie a few months ago, that seemed to be a very very common thing. Yeah. Um, as a team, you also talked about what you want everyone to be able to do themselves but on the pitch. What sort of the big sort of setting your sights on for the season? Uh, we just, I talked about consistency at the start. That's certainly something, and we also talked about sort of the age profile of our team, and the two probably go hand in hand a little bit. Um, so I'm really, really hopeful and optimistic that we'll be a lot better for our experience over the last sort of eighteen months, and and this year we'll be able to build on that. And guys have now started to sort of get a lot of games under their belt and with that comes a little bit of experience and hopefully some of those games that we were losing last year we can we can do stuff to get across the line and I also just think we need to be a bit more comfortable in the way we want to play and we're working extremely hard in preseason at the moment on our kind of basic skills so if you watch our train at the moment it'll be involved in a whole lot of touches very simple stuff that you probably see in rugby clubs all over the land but those skills are so applicable at our level as well and, and making sure you take the most opportunities so yeah, with that kind of our, I guess, our focus at the moment. Do you think it was sort of the youth and the youngness of the squad that sometimes were in the last 10 minutes of games, which is where you whilst were losing a couple of games last season, sort of had a big impact? Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily. The, the, I feel like as a whole, I think we're all sort of to blame for that. There's a couple of games that stand out for me. I think you look at maybe the game at London Irish, when you're kind of coasting and you're, you're up by whatever we were, 20 plus points, you Nine times out of ten, you win that game. Probably ninety-nine times out of hundred, you win that game. But um, whether that's youth, whether that's sometimes that is the beauty of sport, and that's why people sort of stay to the end of games and and love sort of paying the money to go and watch because that's what sport can give you sometimes. And you see it in all different sports. And for us that day, unfortunately, didn't go the way any of us had wanted, and that probably really sort of crushed our top six hopes uh, on that day, really. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the beauty in sport. But whether it's age, um, I, yeah, it'd be a bit unfair to just put it down to that. I mean, I, he was Henry Arundel. He was playing that game, wasn't he? Just sort of completely off yeah, topic, he was, yeah. sort of showing what a raw talent. So he's I'm twenty, and he's the year below me. Just showing yeah. how raw as in he completely is, but what a player he could be. Yeah, it's, it's I think um, I don't know if the game's getting younger. It feels like to me it's getting younger, but maybe that's just because I'm, I'm getting older. I'm going towards the top end, but. You see guys like Henry and you see a number of guys sort of around, I guess, around your age, around that sort of 19, 20, having not long out of school. And they seem to be, although our game is accelerating at a fast pace, um, yeah, a fast pace in terms of sort of the, the contact level, the, the skill and the physicality of, of our league, these guys are leaving school now just prepared to play men's rugby. And I think the programmes that they must be going through at school are equipping them to be ready and you see guys like that come on and especially especially guys in the fours. I remember the Curry brothers a few years ago coming into England camp having, again, been only out of school for 12 months or so and I couldn't believe the sort of physical condition those guys are in and I think that's probably the direction that the rugby seems to be going in now. I mean, obviously, Henry's already made that step up into things. Like, was anyone else on the premiership circuit who you can sort of see following him closely going to catch Eddie's eye? Yeah, I guess I, we've got a couple of our players. I'd, I'd imagine I think we've probably named up a few already, but obviously it's hard for me to properly know the ins and outs of some of the other, the other guys. But at, at Wasps, I feel like we've got a really good young bunch around sort of that 19, 20, 21 sort of age. Charlie probably being the guys have the biggest exposure. 
but there's a lot um, in and around it. I look at someone like Ollie Hartley, one of Charlie's good mates. He again been unlucky of injury, but he physically is, is right up there. He sort of look, wouldn't look out of place with the whole bunch of older guys. And yeah, I think it's exciting that there's a whole bunch of those sort of people. And you look at the under twenty conveyor belt, which seems to still consistently churn out players. So um, yeah, it's exciting time for English rugby, I guess. So looking at yourself on a more personal level, obviously, we've, as we've already mentioned a couple of times, injuries sort of starting to take a bit of a toll on you. Um, what was it sort of like, so we're focusing on the big one, the nine-monther, what was it sort of like coming back after that? Did you feel like you sort of had a point to prove to get yourself back up there? Obviously, you are still club captain. Yeah, I think you, whenever I get injured, that was, like I said, that was my longest one. Whenever I get injured, my first feeling is always a bit of guilt. You always feel guilty that you can't go out and contribute at the weekend and play for that's kind of where I sit for the first few months that you an element of guilt and then you kind of work through that and you start to work towards what do I want to achieve in this period? What do I want to achieve whilst I'm injured to, to try and prepare myself when I come back? And I certainly had a few goals, I, a few off-field things. I started to look towards my coaching badges and, and got some of my coaching badges ticked off, which was pleasing for a potential look to what could come in the next few years. Um, but then on the field, setting goals around what I want to try and achieve in the next part of my career. And <clears throat> I still feel I've got a lot to offer. I feel, still feel I've got a number of years left to give. So, yeah, a lot of goals around kind of what sort of reigniting the fire, um, getting me excited. Because like I said, before I got injured, I felt, <clears throat> sorry, I felt like I was in a, in a good spot. So just trying to make sure that I got back to that as quick as possible. And, uh, yeah, I feel like really excited for the next few years. Is there anything that sort of you've started to change as obviously you're as we talked about, you're one of the older older people in your sports, anything you're sort of feeling you have to change about the way you train, about the way you sort of manage your workload? Yeah, I certainly feel I mean my knee touch wood's been fantastic. I've I've come back from from that, came back sort of with a, with a number of games to go. I came back just just after the turn of the year. So I've been back for yeah, a number of months now, and that's been I've been really delighted with how how that's gone and not really had any issues, but I guess this new one around my hip is going to be an element of controlling my load and, and looking at how I can best be managed maybe during the week or missing certain bits to make sure that I'm, I'm ready for the weekend and I don't envisage it being a massive issue. But yeah, certainly when you get to, you have to start to realise what's, what's the important part of the week and what the most important thing for you to do. And it is hard sometimes, especially when you say when you're club captain and you want to be sort of in the middle of it every session all the time. Uh, but I guess that's starting to learn that potentially my my new reality for for the next sort of couple of years. And obviously, just after you got back, what was it more than it wasn't more than one or two weeks when you got that call up at the Six Nations? Was that sort of a bit of a surprise for you to come up as the injury cover? Yeah, it was a surprise. I'd, I've been in, you keep in touch when you're injured. You the the physio teams there and the SNC team kind of keep in touch and the rugby coaches from time to time keep in touch to check on how you're doing. So I knew that I was sort of in the in their minds, but I, I believe I'd have to go back and, and play quite a number of games for the club first. And and yeah, delighted to to get called back in. It's always always great to get called back in, but I probably wasn't quite exactly where. I think we all knew it, they knew it, but the chance to be back in that environment and train in that environment was, uh, was great. And I sort of went back in between and played some games for the club as well. So it kind of, that period, yeah, worked pretty well for me, really. I mean, surely as isn't, it's probably quite a compliment to yourself the fact that Eddie thinks, oh, he's only he's only had one or two weeks back in it, but he, he knows how good you are that you can just come straight back into that setup. You obviously know the setup really well. Yeah, hopefully there's a, an element of trust being built up there over a number of years around what 
is expected of me and I'm, I, and I'm very aware of what's expected of me. So um, I kind of always set whether I'm getting picked or not. I always set kind of those standards in, in the way I conduct myself sort of day to day and the way I try and train at the club. So, yeah, I, I feel that that's kind of always been sort of a natural part of the way I kind of prepare my week. So, yeah, it was nice to, it was nice to get the call for sure. As we talk about that being sort of not a complete spell, but looking back towards your first, so your first call up was in 2012 for the South Africa series, but I think you didn't make your first start to the following autumn. Was that a bit of a surprise, or did you have a bit of an inkling that you were moving to that direction? What back 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 then in 2012? Back, back in 2012, yeah, yeah, that was a complete shock. To be honest, I that whole year was a bit of a whirlwind of kind of what was going on at the club in terms of kind of nigh on relegation to then being my first season playing the Premiership playing a little bit of under-20s and then the following year on the radar of, the, of, of England and again I was called in for injury cover that week I was actually out I remember it clear as day out with my friend and got a call from a number I didn't recognise and it ended up being Stuart Lancaster but didn't didn't believe I was so off the I didn't hadn't had any chats then previously I wasn't didn't believe I was in the frame at all so it was a bit of a sort of a shock call a bit of a bolt out of the blue but yeah I really remember those sort of first few weeks with really fond memories and everyone always said you'll never forget your first cap and yeah here I am a number of years later and it's mm. as clear as anything. Well talk us through that sort of that sort of first week leading up to when you knew you were going to get your first cap was that sort of a, obviously mixed emotions excited or nerves or what was it? Yeah definitely mixed emotions I I actually had a lot of memory of being I was obviously a bit nervous for the game, hugely excited for the game, hugely proud to sort of have my family there and, and everyone like that. I was actually really nervous about singing a song after the after the game. That's kind of a bit of a tradition that, that all first caps do. And I, I knew it was coming. I didn't know where it was coming. I didn't know if they would make me do it in the after-match dinner or whether it be on the bus or whether it be back at the hotel. But I just remember sort of from the Thursday onwards when they had named the team, I remember that just occupied a huge amount of my mental headspace during those last two days. And, Maybe it was for the best. Maybe it took up a lot of my time, which I would have spent worrying about the game. I was actually worrying about what what to do and how rubbish it would be. So um, <laughs> that was, uh, in a way, probably a, a good thing for me to distract me from the game. But yeah, that's the bit of a memory from that first week. But yeah, that game against, uh, against Fiji was yeah good, fantastic memory. And to do it with sort of Mako and Tom Tom Young as well, two guys who I then went and played a number of games after, made it yeah made it really special. I mean, you can't mention it now without telling us what the song was that you, that you went for in the end. I think I, think I sang, uh, I think I, sh- I, sh- I ended up singing two, but on that night it was Champagne Supernova, I think. So very, very nice. Down, down, the, down the line. We spoke to Freddie Burns, obviously shot himself back into the limelight in recent weeks, but we spoke to him about yeah. a year ago and I remember him talking about how he did his, but then asked Stuart to sing straight after himself. He dragged the coach up on stage. I'm not sure whether you were on that tour in Argentina, but that sounded like I was on that tour in Argentina. I yeah. do remember him doing that, actually. We're in a karaoke um, bar, I think. I remember that yeah, very well. Karaoke bar in the middle of Buenos Aires, or wherever you are. Yeah, I remember um, it well. Like it. And so, looking forward, is is England still the goal? Is that still something you 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 still think you can get back into that setup? I, I just I just don't think any anyone who's sort of an English player who's, who's tasted it or people are striving towards it, I, I would never sort of turn turn my attention away from it. It never. It's always something I've been hugely... I never thought I'd get any caps and then we'd talk about getting my first cap and then to be sitting here now all these years later and still have been a huge part of a number of games over the years. It, it would never be sort of anything that you can be satisfied with. You get a bit greedy, don't you, as a sportsman? You kind of yeah. always want to do one more. I guess that's kind of what drives us. And I've certainly got 
a, a driver to get back into the environment and, and keep sort of competing and keep being in that area. But I'm also hugely satisfied with with what I've achieved and what I've still got to try and achieve, especially at the club level. And um, so, yeah, I'm hugely focused on getting my, my body right, getting back playing. And I know if I can get yeah. back to sort of the standard that I, I expect of myself and, and hopefully those opportunities will, will keep coming. Well, I think the fact shows that if you can get a call up after two weeks after a nine month injury, that you're obviously still regarding a very a high wave by Eddie. And he's sort of, he's always spoken about your line out technician and the way you sort of dominate moves and stuff. Is that something that you really pride yourself on? Yeah, I guess I feel like I've kind of changed a little bit as a player. I thought when I first when I was younger, second row, I kind of expected to do slightly different roles, and I guess I was kind of a slightly younger second row who like to carry the ball and do a few different things. And now I've probably gone back to being a bit more of a set piece, kind of second, kind of known for a bit more set piece stuff. So I, yeah, I've kind of enjoyed the transition through that as I've got older. Yeah, I certainly take the, that physical side, the set piece side. I really enjoy that kind of confrontation each week and the planning that goes into it and sort of the execution at the weekend. Yeah, that's something I, I certainly really enjoy. And so sort of looking forward, obviously, getting a good start of the season with Wasps, but then hopefully that sort of kicks you on towards that, that England call-up for the Autumn Internationals and there onwards with obviously 2023 being well, next year now with the World Cup and everything. Who knows? Yeah, everything comes quick, doesn't it? And uh, I've obviously missed a, a fair bit of rugby full stop, but definitely a fair fair amount of international rugby. Kind of my injuries tended to fall annoyingly around international windows. So I feel like I've that environment's moved on a lot. Obviously, as a part of it a little bit during the Six Nations, and it seems like a fantastic place to be a part of at the moment. Uh, they're a young team being driven with a, a whole lot of enjoyment about what they're trying to do and got a lot of similarities to probably what we're trying to do at WAS in terms of it being very young. And, um, yeah, it'd be a really exciting environment to to be a part of and there's never anything better than competing at World Cup. Um, well, I'm so, sure I was in your time off as well and the summer just summer series just gone you've been watching the boys down under what do you sort of make of that, those performances? Yeah, I think it's always challenging to go everyone knows how hard it is to go to go away and compete in a sort of a three test series away from home and to come away with a win a game was fantastic to, obviously especially having lost lost the first game so a load of positives to come out of it I'm sure um, and hopefully just building a little bit of confidence now in the group, in what they're trying to achieve. And there's still a long time to go between the World Cup with kind of the media obviously always ramp up this, this about now, 12 months out from the World Cup. But in reality, there's still a, a long time and a lot can change. So they'll be pretty confident with, with how the summer's gone and, and excited to try and add a few more layers to it. So come next year, they're, they're ready to compete. I think for, for many people, sort of the main focusing team is sort of that First, that battle for the number nine jersey, and then also the Smith Farrell combination, which just sort of they do start to seem to be clicking now. Is that something that you sort of, when they work, they really do work, don't they? Yeah, I, I guess the nine, the nine battles been up for, been up for sort of challenge for a number of years now, isn't it? And you think someone like Ben's got over a hundred caps, and it's always such a hugely contested, contested position. So the the fact that he's managed to get to that number is is absolutely outstanding, and. I imagine he'll he'll be in the plans as well, along with the guys who went in the summer and competed really well. Um, and then, yeah, the 10-12 will always be a conversation for debate with a lot of rugby fans, I'm sure. But but for me, I, 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 I'm yet to play with or be in an environment with a, a player who has a, as much impact as, as Farrell does. And 
he um he for me is yeah one of the sort of stand-up players England probably ever ever had really and uh so he he for me is a huge part of, of that England team and the success that we've had over over a number of years. Obviously I mean you've obviously got a lot of experience as captain of Wasps, but do you think by relieving the captaincy of of him giving it to Courtney sort of has helped him? Yeah, I I, I don't think Owen would necessarily check. obviously like I said, I've not been there yeah, of course. and seen it, but I know Owen well enough to know that he probably would do things pretty similar. He'd be without the title of it. Um but I think Owen is Owen and he'll probably still be speaking and, and driving standards and being a being a big influence on the group. But I I do agree that the sort of the relationship that him and or Courtney will have will be fantastic. They'll be able to bounce off each other. They'll be they're quite different in their in their views about certain things and, and between the two of them they'll probably reach a, a sort of a really good middle ground. Courtney's a extremely calm, laid back. But, but pretty thoughtful kind of guy. Um, I, I reckon the balance between the two of them is great. I mean, Courtney's one of those blokes who I, not for as long as I remember, but for a very long time, he's sort of been in around the England setup. But for me, it's sort of been the last two years where he's really sort of come into his own. Do you think, is that something that a lot of people have sort of seen? Well, Courtney's, yeah, he's a, what's Courtney, a year or two older than me. So he's, yeah. he's uh, extremely experienced now. And yeah, again, he's someone I've, I've played with a number of years. I'd like to call him a good friend of mine, but he's he probably he's had a fantastic career even up to the last sort of two, three years. But what he's done in the last couple of years has been outstanding. Really, he seems to have taken a game that was already extremely accomplished. He seems to have taken it to a to another level of game, which is hugely exciting for him. Um, probably a testament to again, he probably went through a patch in the middle of his career when he couldn't seem to catch a break with injuries, kept kept getting a few little niggles and. I guess in the last couple of years he's had a bit of a bit of a clean run and that's allowed him to truly express himself. So yeah, it's been great to watch sort of him play like that. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully that'll continue right up and, and be on the next World Cup. Yeah, I mean I remember him when I was well, I was probably no more than ten and putting that hit in on the French ten, which I mean split yeah. in half practically. But do you think the captaincy's had a very positive impact on his game as well? I think that's what that faith by Eddie's really helped him. Yeah, I think Courtney's probably someone who wants to be wants to feel appreciated and wants to be a part of something and, and when he feels that attachment and, and that part of it, I think you probably get the best out of him. So I guess by giving him the captaincy, it allows him to to feel a big part of the environment, to put his own little stamp on it. Um, and yeah, I guess the what you see on the pitch isn't, isn't lying, is it? So whether it's a direct relation to the captaincy or not, it's certainly not doing him any harm. It's certainly uh, taken, taken his game to a, to a really good standard. No, I think, well, yeah, this, this that whole summer series has sort of given every England fan that, that little bit of hope. And it, it seems like it's sort of that upward step after not a disappointing Six Nations, but Six Nations didn't quite go our way. It's sort of given us that, that belief that they can go and do one better than 2019, fingers crossed. Um, well, Joe, yeah, Jerry, thank you so much. Just before we finish, I was sort of completely away from sort of, well, it is very current, but away from the game. It's sort of that big chat about head injuries and, and yeah. sort of concussion at the moment. I was wondering whether you had any predictive views. Obviously, Steve Thompson's come out in the last couple of years and spoken about how much it affects him and how or the scary story that he can no longer remember winning the World Cup. Is that something that, as players, you guys are all very aware of as well when you go in and it's your sort of day-to-day life? Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, the story, like you said, from guys like Steve and a number of others, obviously Ryan Jones, only sort of last week, but last week or two, they really come out of this yeah. story. And it's, I mean, firstly, on a human level, it's, it's horrible to hear. It's really sad to hear what those guys are going through and, and the fact that they the direct relation to rugby makes it a conversation for sure. It's a conversation that guys talk about in the change room. It's something that we, I guess we all talk about a lot. And um, I guess it does leave a little bit of uncertainty as to maybe what, what that holds. But the, 
on the other side of the coin, the one thing I would say, and in, in I started playing professional rugby in 2010, I guess in those 12, 13 years that I've been playing, I I couldn't offer any more about the way I've been treated as, a, as an individual. I couldn't offer any more in terms of, I've fortunately never had too many concussions, but, but what you see in the environment from guys who do get it or the way we're treated, um, I think we the standard of care at the moment is fantastic. I'm not saying that's necessarily been the case for all the years before that, but speaking from my own sort of experience, I think the level of care we get at the moment is is, is fantastic, and we couldn't, I guess, ask for much more. And the, the, what they're trying to do now in terms of making it more progressive and trying to bring in a few extra things, I think the mouth guard and stuff we brought in this year, which is going to be a step forward in the right direction. And and yeah, I think the RFU are really starting to take this even more serious than they already were and I'm sure it will it'll continue to keep improving. I mean I completely agree with you the fact that it's sort of a, it's a part of the modern game but do you think that there are going to be any substantial changes sort of to the way rugby's actually played to sort of try and protect this obviously especially in grassroots? Yeah well there seems to be rule change rugby seems to dabble with rules and laws and regulations every year or so there seems to always be some sort of new rule and some sort of new regulation so I'm sure that will that will always continue and what you have seen in the last 12 months or so is a huge increase in red cards and stuff. And I think the accidental head knocks are, are, are sometimes hard for players to take. Um, I certainly feel the the out of control, reckless behaviour is you're, you're starting to decrease massively from even just maybe sort of five years ago. That is decreased beyond recognition, really. The, those sort of really reckless challenges or really reckless clear that used to be a bit more common. Now they are a lot rarer, which is which is hugely pleasing for us as players. Um, and in terms of, yeah, there's obviously a bigger piece there in terms of what the community game would look like and what those games would look like. And yeah, there's certainly an argument for, especially at like the school game and exactly what's going to go on there. And I'm sure that will all keep being played out over, over the next, over the months to come. Has Steve's story in sort of almost like the, the, the obviously lawyers have started to get involved? Has that sort of been felt through all the players throughout the professional game? Has there sort of been like a big impetus in towards it? Yeah, I feel like the players have all, always kind of a little bit involved in the process around maybe some some of the law changes. Players are a little bit involved in that, and like I said, it's these guys are writing pretty hard to read stories around their experience of playing rugby, and, and we're all in the change room playing the same sport so it's, yeah. um, it'll be crazy for us to not not acknowledge it and not talk about it um, and we're certainly not burying our head in the sand about it it's it's certainly a, an issue that we as players are, are really sort of taking seriously and, and really want to try and play our part in so whether that is wearing a different different gum shield or going through an extra type of test at the start of the season to make sure that we're helping as much as we can to allow them to collate as much evidence as possible as much data as possible, then um, yeah, all the players are certainly on board with all that. Yeah, at the end of the day, sort of, you're rugby players, but you've also got lives to live after that, and that's the most important thing is that you can live them safely and happily with families and friends. Yeah, exactly. rugby is a short, it's a fantastic job. It's um, sort of been an unbelievable experience to be a professional player, but like you said, there's a there's a great bit of life to live after. So um, yeah, that that side of it, whether it's preparing for life after rugby or whether it's having the ability whilst you're still playing to make sure you're leaving the game um, obviously physically well as well is, is vitally important. 
Perfect. Yeah. So we'll finish on slightly happier. As you talked about there with the change of rules last season, the 50 22 rule, did you sort of find that was something which sort of encouraged more attractive and attacking rugby, or did you not like it in its implement? If I'm honest, I, I did. When, the, when they told us the rules in pre season last year, I was, a, I was pretty unsure about quite a few of them, to be fair. I hated especially it. Some of, especially some of the restart dropouts. Um, yeah. And the goal line dropouts, I, I wasn't sure about some of them, but that did take away a lot of scrums and that definitely added maybe a, a lot more ball in play, which which was pleased. And I think they were they were positive. The 50-22, I guess, we didn't actually see too many of them, did we? But when 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 we did see them, they were, they were quite exciting. Um, you'd have to probably talk to someone a bit more talented than me who can actually speak the ball. I kind of normally get up from a scrum and someone's attempted it. It's not, not out of my remit, really. But yeah, certainly when, 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 when one of those kicks come off, you get a real sort of advantage swing, isn't it? And it gives you a real good opportunity to to score off the back of that. So, yeah, I, I guess I'm a fan of some law changes, but I think constant tweaks sort of year after year can make the game even harder to follow. It's quite a tricky game to follow anyway in terms of the amount of rules we have. But if you keep, keep t- t- tweaking them all the time, then it's going to be even harder for, to get new fans to, to really engage. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I was a fan of a few of them. Yeah, it's fair. I think you're better off trying to keep the kicking to a minimum than George Cruz and try and kick it. Yeah. You used to get when I was younger, but I've stopped that now. Yeah, I think any forward speaking from experience is best off doing what they're yeah. meant to be doing rather than messing around <laughs> with the ball. Avoiding um, the ball, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. We're there to push, not there to carry, not there to do anything fancy. Um, well, Joe, thank you so much for giving up your evening. It's been very kind of you. Um, well, yeah, I, I loved cool. it, and I'm sure everyone else who's listening to you will love it as well. So, no, thank you very much, and we wish you the best of luck for the upcoming season. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Cheers, Jay. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.